You are listening to PLV Radio Network. Join us in celebrating all of life's possibilities. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Positive Living Vibrations with me, your host, Sarah Troy. Uh, you will notice this week that we are still under PLV Radio, and the show will also feature on Self-Discovery Radio. We are changing our name, and this show is going to be on the week where the transition is happening. So, um, please, do not get confused. Um Everything is okay. You're at the right station. We've just changed our name. And uh, my guest today is actually going to be a foot in both stations. Um, And we are going to have uh, some fun today with waking up your beauty. It's not all about the prince, folks. The beauty lies within you. And we have to stop looking outside to fulfill our every need and start looking inside. And the person that made this journey here today to discover this, to bring you this information in waking up your inner beauty is Lisa Marie Jenkins. And she is been in business for a long time and she really does know what she's talking about. She has seen women given up their femininity to fit into the man's world, uh, become emasculated. And you know, it doesn't work, folks. The way you're going to get ahead in business and in life is embracing your true authenticity as a woman or as a man, but embracing what's on the inside and living from the inside out. Lisa has knows this journey, she's taken this journey, and now she has written this beautiful book called Wake Up Beauty, It's Not About the Prince, and she also teaches people in business how to live that authentic life, how women can learn to play big, how they can get low of, uh, let go of what no longer serves them, how to retrieve and shine their authentic selves, how to reclaim vulnerability and a path to freedom, and so much more. She's here to help you embrace the womanhood within you and the empowerment that is there waiting to get out. So Lisa, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you, Sarah. My pleasure. And Wake Up Beauty, it's not about the prince. Uh, Before we go back into how this all came about, how did this title come about? Oh, the title. Um, So the real title, if I gave it just a very, exactly what the book is about, it would be something like, I'm I'm good enough with or without a man. (laughs) That would be kind of a boring title. But the Wake Up Beauty, it's not about the prince really comes from many years ago when I was working with a therapist and I was going through a very painful breakup at the time and she looked at me and and she said, honey, don't you know the biggest, fattest lie we've ever been told as little girls and women is that Sleeping Beauty did not wake up when Prince Charming kissed her. No, 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 no. Sleeping Beauty did not wake up at all. Sleeping Beauty went to sleep on herself, her own passion, purpose, and her worth because she believed romantic love was going to provide that to her. And so that's really where the title came from because we, as women, we often tend to go to sleep on ourselves because we've been so conditioned to believe that somehow romantic love is meant to provide that to us. Yeah. And so often we give up our power. Um, and, and many times even women I talk to that were very independent and very powerful in the world and very much living in their own alignment, autonomy, and passion. And then they they married later in life, and they went through that transition too where they, they kind of stopped 
living for themselves, and they started making the man in their life their demigod, so to speak. And they um, had to reclaim that power. Yeah, exactly. Reclaiming that power is, it's, you know, don't give it up in the first place, but if you have to reclaim it, you have to realize that there's some thought processes that have to change here. Um, there is a, a beautiful thing called runes. It's the Celtic way of the I Ching. And in that rune is actually a stone called Gifu. And it means partnership. And it is uh, two people coming as a whole to form a partnership, you know, to unite. And I think that's where people go wrong. They think that when they're in a partnership, they have to give up of themselves instead of bringing Mm -hmm. of themselves and then collaborating together. It's kind of so (laughs) misunderstood, isn't it? Well, yeah, because we we believe that to have make a whole. Mm -hmm. when, When in essence, it takes two whole people to come together and they don't get all entangled. They just kind of bounce off of each other gently and nicely. And But, you know, the beauty of that is when two halves come together attempting to, you know, unconsciously attempting to make a whole, they're really, if, if they could even see it from a different perspective, that we're shining, where you're filling in my gaps initially, and that feels like that lustful, crazy, passionate love. Mm-hmm. It's really, and then it starts unraveling about that three-month mark in the honeymoon period. <laughs> ever. That's the opportunity where now you're shining light and you're mirroring back to me where I'm, I need healing, where I'm still wounded, where I'm not so kind or loving or pretty inside. And, and a, an example of that, Sarah, I love this, is because for me, I would pick very, very unemotionally available men to be in relationships with. And so they were... I was actually attracting exactly what I was lacking. So their lack of emotional availability to me was reflecting exactly how unemotionally available I was to myself. And that's what the beauty of romantic relationship. But most of us go about it in a needy way. It's to fulfill and make ourselves feel better. Yeah, you know, I mean, reflection. You know, I've always say if you, if you want someone to love you, you must love yourself in your own light. Because yeah. how are they going to know how to love you? Um, people will always reflect back what is lacking or what is abundant in you. And we really have to be responsible for filling our own tanks, don't we? Exactly. And and think of the pressure that that takes off the other person yeah. in the relationship. Right? When you're no longer responsible for my happiness or fulfillment, that I'm responsible and you're only responsible for being my partner. Yeah, you're responsible for when you are together and the respect and admiration and value you have of each other and that collaboration. But what you bring to that relationship is entirely up to you and it's your responsibility, it's your decision. Um, And if you really want that relationship to grow in abundance, you must come in honesty, in vulnerability, and uh, in in participation, wholeness. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard I heard Elizabeth Gilbert, the you know the author of the book um, Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah, she was on an interview with uh, with Oprah, and she she was talking about her relationship with her husband, and she was saying, you know, a, a true partnership isn't your soulmate, right? A soulmate is meant to wake you up and make you crazy and bring you to your knees, so you start looking at yourself and you start growing and healing. She said. My husband is my partner. She said, we wake up in the morning, and there isn't all this crazy, dramatic love and passion. She goes, yes, we're passionate about each other, but she goes, we wake up and look at each other and say, hey, I think you're terrific. And he says, I think you're terrific. What do you want to do today? Mm-hmm. She said, it's just this calm, loving force between us. 
yeah, people without get without demands and needs. Exactly, and and people, you know, as you said, that three month euphoria, and you know, think this is love. You know, no, this is lust. Um, and it's yeah. and it's it's because two chemistries have come together, and the, and you know, they're concocting a lovely recipe. Um, but you cannot sustain that level. Um, and you know, if it becomes all about that, you know, you're not getting to know each other on other levels, and it it overtakes what the relationship really could be. I think the best form of relationship is actually when you actually meet somebody and it's friends first, and allow it to build. Agreed, agreed. And and I think that often people mistaken attachment for love. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that was an epidemic, darling. <laughs> yes. yes, of course it is. <laughs> you know, I own you. Yes, because we have a ring on the finger. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but but there's something you know besides waking. You know, and it can be anything. You know, Sarah. It's it's, it's just the desperate search, especially in Western culture, the desperate search to look outside of yourself for wholeness, for completion, for mm-hmm. fulfillment, for happiness. Or it can be it can be romantic love, relationships can be an addiction. You know, people don't even know how to spend time alone and you've already touched on it. Like how can you expect anyone to really enjoy your company when you don't enjoy your own? Mm-hmm. You don't you can't stand to be alone. But you know, it could be it can be drugs, it can be more money, it can be more power power, it can be a better job, it can be when I lose twenty pounds I'll find you know, it's the constant quest for when I have this I will be okay within myself and I will be happy. And so romantic love just happens to be one of the very predominant ones. But where, where I, I really wrote this book was this happened to be my way home to myself because when I healed that I really was good enough and okay without a man, I realized that this is not only an opportunity for women to really wake up to their wholeness and their purpose and get aligned with their passion and their callings, but it is their responsibility as a 21st yeah. century woman because we are when we get in alignment with that and we heal that part of us and we stand in our own power and our own passion, then we get to contribute automatically to the healing and the transformation of the world. And, and this is about evolution of our species to the next level or we're not going to have a planet. A hundred percent agree with you. A hundred percent agree with you. You know, it's all about good vibrations, isn't it? And if they're resonating on that higher vibration, which is invitational. I did a show a little while ago because I do my own shows and my own perspectives. um, And I did one on the what ifs. And you've always got people, but what if this goes wrong? Or what if that happens? Or what if this happens? And it's always about feeding the what if it is possible. What if I yeah. really can achieve this? You know, what if I actually looked or met somebody that can help me along this path? What if I took this journey and ended up being something m- more mind-blowing yeah. than I could ever <laughs> do? It's in as what if we actually fed the possibilities uh, instead of constantly feeding the fears? Right, it's all, and that's all it is, is fear, right? And it's just bad management of the mind. Mm-hmm. Most people just operate oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but fear is just bad management yeah. of the mind. Like, unless the saber-toothed tiger is chasing you, yes. fear is mostly just bad management of thoughts. And, and, that's and hereditary, where, hereditary. That's, yes, well, you're, you're, it gets to you through osmosis, through, through mm. genes, through just your, the conditioning of the environment that you're brought up in. Um, you, I think we bring things with us in cellular memory, all of that. Yes. But I, I think for women, especially, women are really good at finding brilliant 
hiding strategies. And there's actually some of it's just not even our fault. Some of it goes back to exactly that. There's think of how many how many thousands of years it, women had had no legal rights, had no right to own property. Um, it was not even safe for the, for women to defend themselves or speak up for themselves. Not physically safe. I mean, we could talk about burning at the stake. We can talk about the thousands of years of women being enslaved and sex trafficking. And still, in many parts of the undeveloped world, they're still dealing with that oppression. So, so there's sort of sometimes, and I think that's why women often have a hard time finding their voice because it's only been not even a hundred years yet that women have had the right to vote in the United States. Yeah. And the and the real first equality movement just happened in the 1970s. So you know, there's still we're still operating a bit under that fear of is it safe to speak up? And then now also we're dealing with, and I do lots of research around the double bind and around unconscious bias, gender, unconscious gender bias. And so, so women are judged differently when they're anything but nice first. And, and so that's something that's got to just come with raising the awareness of people to start noticing the misrepresentation. And we start changing the unconscious bias that we have that women are supposed to be kind, compassionate, likable, and nice first and that they can't be competent first. Like men are liked a lot when they're competent first. Women get the, the B word or the bossy word when they're competent first and yeah. not nice first. So. But it, I think it goes even further, is that uh, the misconstruing of nice is, is to men an invitation. Um, you know, you can't be nice for nice sake. You can't just be nice because you're a nice person. They kind of misconstrued it as an invitation. Um, Correct. To, and and yeah, no, it ain't made. That, the sexism <laughs> part, I think, is starting to fade, right? Yes. Um, we're not dealing with that so much. But I, I think that, you know, no, I know this. From, from spending over 20 years in senior sales and marketing roles in Fortune 500 high-tech companies, I saw, you know, it was definitely very male-dominated. But yeah. what, I, what I saw in many women is either they just sacrificed their voice in order to be liked, and it was very head-down, prove confidence, and they lacked kind of the confidence and courage to speak up and to take action and to take risk. And so they would focus on being liked first, and, and understandably so, but this is where, you know, and if you've heard much about Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, and she's all about women have to start taking their seat at the table. They have to start mm-hmm. leaning in and speaking up. But where I think she's, where her book stopped, and yes, all of that is true, is you have to lean in, but you have to lean in, change a conversation, and lead us out of this very masculine paradigm of how we've been running the world from, from a business, a political, a military aspect. Um, and that's that diversity of thought, because women are naturally more emotionally intelligent. We're just ahead of the game there. We've been allowed to process our feelings and emotions, and men haven't. So, you know, they're stifled there. And we've, I think the more we step into that authenticity, we free the, them up to start exploring that for themselves, too. So I say lean in and then change the language and lead us out. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, is that, you know, um, you can't bring your 100% woman woman to the game um, when you're talking with you know a bunch of men you have to kind of go fishing into the you know the male pond and find out what it is that will capture their attention that you can fish out that you can bring them into your own arena where they can hear you so you can't just go and impose your womenly thoughts on them it's inviting them to an arena where both thoughts 
you know, now can have a yeah. collaboration. But you have to know what it is, isn't it? You have to know what that key thing is that you're going to be able to draw them out into listening to you. Well, you have to hit their pain points. You yeah. Have to, you have to hit their pain points, and you also have to understand why maybe they're apathetic to the issue. Um, maybe it's just purely unaware. And some of it is men have been so conditioned to um, showing any any to showing vulnerability is a sign of weakness. Yeah. Or anything feminine is weakness or no kinks in the armor is not masculine. So so that's, you know, th- those are some of their pain points of why they're kind of unaware of this gender inequality and, and why it's it's such a problem. And when I, I'm not this big rah-rah feminist, you know, women's rights. We, we, are, we, we are empowered as women in Western culture in developed countries like Australia and, and the U.K. and so forth. But, and we, we're empowered. I mean, we still need a few policy changes, yes, it's specifically around work-family balance and leave and those kind of things. But that's, that's not it. But women, women have to start taking some responsibility for... I'm very direct. I'm very direct and articulate, and that came from my upbringing. But what I notice is a lot of women, even in their posturing and in their words, they're almost apologetic. They'll use a lot of words like just or actually, or they'll apologize before they speak, or and and just even their posturing is very submissive in, in how they sit in a meeting or project themselves. So, and and women don't often because of their fear to use their voice. I hear women often not just get to the point, say what they're going to say, and then say it. They they can tend to tiptoe around. And men, men need, like, give it to me. Like, give yeah. it to me direct. Like, I don't know where you're going with this, but you, and then you lose them. So that's where women have to start getting stronger and more direct and own their position, own their power, take up more space, if you will, when they're communicating with men. I mean, you know, I think times must be changing because I know that with me, I've always pretty well intimidated men because I am pretty direct. You know, I'm just just in my line of work, um, I'm designed to bring out the truth in a person, um, you know, the truth for me them too. to see, <laughs> you know, right? Um, know, you know, and, know. To be, and to hold accountability for, um, you know, your thoughts and your inner self. And, you know, I've had men look at me and I go, oh, my God, you see me. Yes, I do. I do see what's inside. You know, this facade that's on the outside is just, you know, a bunch of illusion. Um, I see what's on the inside and that's what I want to bring out. And, of course, for some people, if they really, you know, have reached that stage of that courage, yes, bring it out of me. I want to be that authentic self. I want to drop this illusion that I've been conditioned to be giving everybody. But for other people, is no, I know, I've got to hold on to my illusion. And, uh, you know, oh, and immediately, you know, slam the door in your face. And so you really, you, I think women in that men's role, it still really is very much up to the whether the men are ready, ready to receive um, yeah. and, and if you're in an arena where they're not, simply get out of that arena and go where they are. Right. And that's where women have to start is strategically, you know, deciding who they give authority to and who the, whose authority they want to be under or whether it's, you know, and, and, and the willingness to challenge authority. And I think that goes back to even grade school for women, especially because if you look at grade school, girls were so praised for what? Following the rules, yeah. being quiet. <laughs> And perfectionism. So it taught us to be approval seekers and to not a challenge authority, but to get ahead by head down doing the best you can and, and keeping quiet. 
and that doesn't work for women in the real world. It's the opposite because yeah. then then we don't know how to raise our own profile in a way that benefits not from an ego place, but it benefits everybody because they understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and how that can help. Um, so that's that's a big. I could talk about this all day. I I love this subject because <laughs> and there there are there, you know we we need more men aware and you see you I came from from high tech so you know there's big names out there like John Chambers I worked for Cisco for nine years John Chambers Guy Kawasaki they get it they're seeing this this gender bias and I just read where the CEO of salesforce.com actually went through his entire company payroll to see where there was a man and a woman in, in equal jobs but the man was making more and he was correcting that which is great Bravo. we still have to get to why that happened to begin with right? yes so yes what caused that yes and to make sure it's not repeated negotiate? yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that is you know that equality uh, you know let's forget about the sex and just look at the job um, you know, it's, it's, it comes down to performance. If, you know, are you delivering? And if you're delivering, then that pay should be equal. And who cares? I mean, we're not just talking about men and women now. You know, we're not talking about, you know, people that kind of blur the lines. And so we've got to, I think, take kind of the sex of anything out of the equation altogether. Yeah. Um, and just look but, at the but abilities. How do we do that? How do we do that, Sarah? Because there is this, this almost invisible, powerful force about unconscious bias, and we both have it as men and women. And I'll give you a perfect example that just displays it. So there was um, a woman named Heidi Rosen. She is her name is Heidi Rosen, and she was a Apple executive. And she left, and she went out and started a venture capitalist company. And this woman killed it right? so much so that Harvard did a business case on her. So then there was a, a, a professor at Columbia University, and he took his MBA students, and he divided the class in half, men and women in both groups. He gave one class the original case study with Heidi Rosen. He gave the other group, now remember there's men and women in both groups, he gave the other group the exact same case study. He changed one word in it. He changed it from Heidi to Howard. <laughs> and then he pulled them on several questions. Now, each group found Heidi and Howard equally competent. And I kind of go, well, how could you not, right? They yes. have the same, you know, the same skill set, the same education, the same success story. They loved Howard. They revered Howard. Howard is a thought leader, loved to work for Howard. Howard is an innovator. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah. You know, Heidi wouldn't trust her. She's an egomaniac. She's power hungry. Wouldn't trust her, certainly wouldn't want to work for her. Wow. So how, you know, <laughs> that just, so there's this unconscious bias on, from both men and women that when we see a woman, anything that but likable first and comes out as just pure competence, we judge her from a, by a different standard. And it's kind of like leftover, it's, and, it, and there's a whole neuroscience behind it, and it's just, it's leftover from those gender roles that, you know, even the women have been 50% of the workforce for many years and earning more graduate and bachelor degrees since the ni- mid-1980s. We have not moved in our percent of leadership roles, right? So even in that 30-year span now, it's been 30 years since I've been out of college, and my, I, I graduated in 85, and that marked the year that more that women were earning, earning the majority of the degrees, yet we have not moved in those 30 years of the average in the U.S. for women in C-level roles, elected profis, prof, um, politicians, and on board seats, women still only represent about 15%. Yes. 
It's so, trying to break that boys' club, isn't it? Um, but, you yeah. know, I've, I've, there's a point I want to make here, which I, I, somebody was writing an article once, and it's uh, like a woman saying, I would never work with women. They're just a bunch of bitches. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, yes, you can get that where that, you know, you can see it in the in the pack at school. You know, I remember b- being part of the pack, and oh, I'm like, "Oh my oh, god, this school, yeah. oh this pack mentality is just killing me." Everybody's trying to outdo each other, be more important than each other, and everybody's forgetting the reason why they're here. And it's um, yeah. you know, and I actually just kind of went off on my own and did my own things, um, for which again I still got persecuted because I wasn't part of the pack anymore. Um, if we could get rid of that pack mentality and this, um, you know. I'm more important than you. I've got something to prove. And just as women get our act together, we would actually unite it, be a far greater force if we didn't bring that insecurity or that ego to the table. No, it's it's huge. And that's, that we're, that's another big role that women have to fulfill is that we have to start supporting each other. And I'm guilty of feeling it wasn't that hard for me because I worked in a male-dominated industry, but I've navigated my career not to report to a woman. So I'm just as guilty of that, that unconscious bias because I saw women as either they wanted to micromanage me or they saw me as competition. And it doesn't yeah. mean by any, that's an absolute statement, but that's, that had been my experience. And I don't, I don't know why, but yes, you're, you're right in middle school. I mean, my daughter is 24 now, but I remember middle school being, and she'll tell you today, middle school being 14 years old is the hardest yeah. year of her entire life, how awful it is. And that a lot of that, I believe, Sarah, comes from that it's a, it's a scarcity model. There's a fear as if there's not enough for us that we're in competition with each other. So, and that's what continues to happen with women as we, we look at things like, well, if we're in the same organization and we know that only you know one out of five are going to be the senior managers are going to be women, then if you get a piece of the pie, that means there's less of a piece of pie for me, you know, so yeah. I won't get, you know, that kind of thing. So we turn on each other as competition as opposed to supporting each other yeah. up. And that's what's got to shift. And uh, Madeline Albright has a great quote that, that's been really popular. And some people like, there's a special place in health for women that don't support other women. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I, I think that it's huge. That, that's got to shift. That's got to happen. And, and it can't happen quick enough. And so I, whenever I give talks at, at women's organizations, and especially in very corporate environments, I say, listen, anytime you hear somebody gossiping, putting another woman down, talking behind their back, not only do you not engage, call them out on it and yeah. stop it. Like we just have to call it out and just stop it. Yes, exactly. I'm going to go back to something else you wrote up in your book because it's, it's very much in line with this. It's let go of your job. Uh, let's start making the transition from viewing your work as a job to viewing it as a calling. Um, you know, this entire thing of, of uh, PLV Radio, Self Discovery Radio, is about interviewing divas like yourself. You're living your dream. You're inspired by that dream to share the vision for others to aspire to. And you've done this because this has been your journey and this is your passion. This is your calling. And when we let go of what is expected of us and start following the path that is calling us, um, it is no mm-hmm. longer a job, is it? It's, it is a passion that you get up gladly for every day. Exactly. It's, it's something, it's, it's this force that's driving you that isn't driven from a place of looking good, mm-hmm. ego, mm-hmm. power, um, it, and a lot of, 
but it, and, and it comes from a place of you just, you love it and you can get lost in it and you're enthralled with it and you know that you're serving the world some, because whenever we're, we're in touch with our authenticity and our callings or our gifts or our passions, and it doesn't mean that you, you have to make, it has to be something big and grander and, and a, a big change or choice, but it can even be, even if you don't change jobs, it's how you show up for that job. And, and in, so even even your job, you can turn that into your own ministry, if you will. And, and I'll give you an example of that, because this, is, this was sort of a transition period for me as I was leaving. But one of my last roles was at Cisco, and I was in a product marketing team in a, in a very in a startup business unit, and it was, it was all focused around cloud and cloud computing. And I... I was a phys ed major in college, right? Like, I, I'm not a technologist, even though I spent 20 years of my career in technology. My gift was always relating to people and my emotional intelligence to develop relationships and make connections and great follow-up and follow-through. But I was very, I dealt with all these, all these brilliant engineers, and it could be really intimidating to me. And so, but I learned that my gift was connecting people and being a translator for people in meetings so that people understood each other and that I could bring what was really going on in the marketplace from a people perspective and bring that up inside corporate to these engineers that had were just completely out of touch with people in general. Yeah. So it, that was so I learned like that was my gift, right? I'm a connector and yeah. I'm relating to people and at the end of the day in this is one of my favorite quotes by a Maya Maya, Maya I'm going to say her name wrong. Maya Angelou, mm-hmm. and she says, people will forget what you say or what you do, but people will never forget how you make them feel. Precisely. At the, the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, we're all people, and we're all just craving connection and to be liked and to be heard. Yes. And so if you can bring that in industry, any industry, then you are somehow living, you've transitioned that job, you know, being just trading pay for some sort of service to you're actually making a difference. Something you could be proud of, um, something that you really, truly know that you're there for, um, and, you know, something that you can stand tall in. And, you know, that it takes you to an, another thing that you wrote here. Um, you can't live that role if you are still in conformity. Um, you have to be willing to kind of, A, no box at all. Uh, you know, be flexible, go with the wind. Um, it's kind of making sure the roots are in the ground and that they have room to grow, but, you know, the flexibility, being able to move around and go where is needed. Um, that rigidity or, you know, conformity of the past no longer serves us. And we are escalating at such a massive rate in business and in, in technology and uh, just in the whole way we're going as a human race right now, that that flexibility um, and adaptability has to be there, doesn't it? Yeah, we have we have to get out of what we're doing is just checking boxes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but there's actually vitality involved in what we're doing, and that that whatever we're doing or working on, it doesn't matter if you're a marketing project manager in a large corporation that you're just not busily checking boxes, but that you're always in touch with what is the desired outcome and what impact am I trying to make with with humanity in general or the marketplace and people. It always has to be about creating impact in the world and it always has to be, and this is what I saw so often with women because women still, even though we're 40% of the income, in the U.S., and I'm seeing U.S. numbers, but we're 50% of the workforce. We're responsible for 40% of the household income. Women still 
are are responsible for about 70 to 80 percent of the household responsibilities, the children and the home and those sort of things. So there, so what I saw so often, Sarah, with women in large corporations, you know, intelligent women, well-educated women, successful by all standards of society as far as their job and their job title and the money they were making, they were robots, right? Between managing their job was an all-day fire drill of checking boxes and then managing their children and their home and lunches and dinners and family and, you know, all of those things that, and, and they were almost, I'll just call them hamsters on a, on a wheel, yeah. right? That just, they're just robotic going through the motions, trying to get it all done every day and not in touch with their own purpose, passion, calling, and, and God forbid, taking care of their, their own needs in any way, shape, or form. Completely others focused all the time. And, and, you know, Ariana Huffington, her book is all about that thrive because when she started the Huffington Post, and she talks about this so openly now, she literally had a physical breakdown at work one day where her body just collapsed, went down, she was hospitalized. And she said, if you would ask me the day before how I was feeling, I would have told you just fine. She goes, I was so caught up in my hectic busyness that I was completely disconnected from my body and what my body and my wisdom was telling me. And that's her big mission now in the world is just to share that and to get people to you know, understand self-care and why you're a better person, a better worker, a better leader, a better mother, a better friend, whatever, because when, you, when you have self-care. And women today really, really are missing that piece. Well, we're living life by expectation. You know, what's expected of yeah. us? And who put this expectation on us? And, you know, as women, you know, the more you put on us, the more we say, yeah, we, we can do that. We can do that because we don't mm-hmm. have to say no. Um, you know, I've got mm-hmm. a motto is mm-hmm. um, place mm-hmm. the importance upon you. And that's oxygenate yourself, invest in yourself, nurture yourself. That's not the self-importance because the self-importance is ego and insecurity derived. But the importance of self. You cannot be abundant to anyone else if you are depleted within yourself. The fuller you are, the more you have to contribute, the more you have to give. And I think women, this is the big word that I'm finding is quite the common denominator, permission, Mm -hmm. permission to place that value upon themselves. And I think it's finally, you know, coming around where people go, oh, I can, I can actually place that value on myself. I can put myself first. I can nurture myself. Yes, it's imperative that you do. Yes. And I think it's because of, you know, somehow that's, construed as as selfish yeah um, because women have been the caretakers of everybody else and i think women often mistake their calling in life for the roles they play in life Mm -hmm. and and that's you know i have a i have a little motto that i live by and it's called you choose discomfort over resentment and what i mean by that is and, and this is a bit you know it goes back to uh, like it, and, and you know what? I love this analogy. But you know, when you get on an airplane and they give you the yeah. if the oxygen mask, come down, put the mask on yourself before helping small children or others. Well, mothers really struggle with just the idea of that. They think many mothers think that's crazy. And it's like, no, if you don't take care of you first, you won't be able to help them. Right? And, and and that seems counterintuitive to most women. But the same thing goes for choose discomfort over resentment. So if you you ask me to go be a part of some big event and participate in volunteering or, or just let's say you ask me to go out to dinner and I know that I don't want to hurt your feelings or I know it'll be a little bit uncomfortable to have to say no to you, but please ask me again. And so 
So people often say yes to things when they yes. really want to say no. And so, A, this, it's one of the most selfish thing. You can, people think that's being unselfish. It's the most selfish thing you could be doing because it's not about the other person. It's about you being uncomfortable and if you notice something. And then what happens is because you didn't say no and you said yes instead, you end up being resentment, resentful over time. And then that resentment comes out in unhealthy ways, passive-aggressive ways in your own health, in, in how you react, overreact to something, because you didn't take care of yourself by saying no and having a boundary. So, yeah, it might be a little uncomfortable for me to have to say no to you or, or let you know that this is my boundary and this behavior doesn't work for me, and it might be an uncomfortable conversation, but my goodness, it's going to save so much long-term resentment that is never going to be a good thing in the long run. And, you know, you, you you hit the nail on the head with me. I was one of these people pleasers and never said no. And, you know, I could be absolutely depleted, crawling, and not still go and do it. Um, and, you know, it did cost me my health, uh, Megaly, um, which today, I'm unfortunately, is, you know, a repercussion of. I won't get that back. Um, it also cost me, you know, my connection with my soul or my heart or my spirit because mm-hmm. I was constantly mm-hmm. out there, you know, trying to please people, you know, um, not wanting to let them down and, you know, not realizing I'm just being used because I was only thinking from my head and, you know, I wasn't placing that importance on myself. I find so many people do that. You know, it's, I call it be of service to humanity, but don't be of servitude uh, because that's, yes. you know, kind of slavery and that's where I was. And, it you know, is. So, yes. That's a great distinction, Sarah, this be of service, not servitude. They're two very different things. Yeah. So, you know, women really struggle with this one and that they can be scholarly maids, over it, right? As <laughs> yes. A, as opposed to being a gracious queen in how they approach things. And, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of that, you know, it's still a kind of, and I think that's also been my upbringing. So, you know, it's a pattern I am, I am breaking. Um, the other thing I think is ex- absolutely essential, um, you know, is to work on all four cylinders. Uh, you need to listen to your soul's intellect. It needs to resonate with your heart. Uh, you need to invite your spirit to action and trust your mind to know what it needs to know at the time it needs to know it, which is your knowingness. So many people purely work from the head. And which is a CPU. Oh, yeah. It's just data. Mm-hmm. If you don't invite the heart, the soul, and the spirit in the conversation, all it is is information. The heart and the soul and the mm-hmm. spirit will tell you what to do with that information. Yeah, so I, I'm starting up these women's leadership forums where you bring it. It's a, it's a peer group environment that are professionally facilitated, and it's a group of women that come together, eight to 12 women. 12 is the max that you put in a group, so it's a consistent group, and it's a diversity of types of industries and so forth, so there's really broad perspective, but they become their own personal um, peers and advisors for each other, and, and there's there's different modules and stuff I'm taking them through. But the whole point of this is the leadership forum is for mind, body, spirit, and career, <laughs> and we have to get out of just addressing, like you just said, the intellect. Why? Yeah. We don't need to keep harvesting more intellect and more training and more business acumen as much as we do addressing the whole being. Yeah. So I really like to look at what, what I do in leadership is it's about addressing the whole being because if you're not whole and complete and happy and content and in touch with your heart, in touch with your body's wisdom and your intellect, right? Your intellect is, all your intellect is, that left brain is, that's your servitude. It's yes. just a mer- meant to carry out your action that you know from a deeper place and, and that you get from your soul, your spirit, your wisdom, your intuition, whatever you want to call it. But that's, 
that's where we have to move to. So that we start supporting women, not just from the intellect and business, but we support them as whole beings and men too, of course. But my work yeah. is with women. Right. I mean, I love what you put in here. You put actions, will is what allows you to take action. And you know, we really do have to have that will to do something, don't we? You and know, accountability. Yes. It's oh, thank be, you. <laughs> Whether it's a girlfriend, you join a formal peer group like mine where you meet monthly and you have the trusted board of advisors, so to speak. You ha- When you say something out loud and you commit it to somebody else, you're more likely to carry through the action. And Sarah, if I could give like just the first step for any woman in the world, and and this applies to all of us, is that self-compassion is where we have to start. And it means you start becoming aware how you speak to yourself. Because most of us can speak to ourselves in a way that we would never speak to somebody we didn't even like. So it's learning how to speak to yourself, not from your your inner critic and from self-doubt, like you were talking when we first started the show about well, what if this happened or mm-hmm. that happened, but looking at the what if from fear, but we do that to ourselves. So that's the inner critic or the, the doubter within all of us, but learning to know that that's not our true self. That's not, that's not the truth of who we are. And learning to speak to ourselves in a way that we would speak to our child, a best friend, a, somebody we love dearly. And we have to start speaking to ourselves in the same compassionate loving, supportive, and encouraging way that we would others that we care for and love. And if women can just get that piece alone, they can make major shifts in their lives. Yes. But that's about being conscious because you have to be tuned in. How am I talking to myself? What am I saying to myself? And I, I'd like to give an example here because it's, you know, it's something that, it's a progression. I can still, my inner, my inner doubt, my self-critic can come into play and it can, it can try and railroad me, but I can catch it now. So, the very first time, it was last June, it was my first big keynote that I was giving to 200 corporate women, senior managers and executives from all the high-tech companies in Silicon Valley. And right before I went on stage, there had been a panel of executive women, so VPs of major corporations like HP and Microsoft and Google, that type of organizations, and they had this this power panel and asked them all kinds of questions. And then I went right after them and you better believe my self-doubt tried to take over because mm-hmm. it was like, who are you to get up after them and speak? There is no way you possibly, Lisa, have anything that could be, you know, that's important enough to share after those women just up. Like, you're not even in the same league as them. You can't get up there and speak. That, that You know, there it went, right? Like, on and on and on. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Time out. That's not me. Go away. Cancel thoughts. That's why I'm here to teach women that we all have a message. We all have something important to share and that we're all equal in this way. And that's what I meant to share here. Exactly what I was doing to myself was what I was meant to share and deliver to that audience. So it's learning to get in touch with that and go, uh-uh, I know who you are. Thank you, but don't need your help. I got this. You know, it's, it's, um, I, have a, I have three children, but I have one daughter from right from the word go. Um, she's always held people accountable for their character their actions, their intentions. Mm. And she really doesn't care who you are. You know, Pope, King, Queen, you name it, that doesn't impress her. What impresses her is the actions, the accountability of self, what are you contributing to the world? And it's it's a beautiful thing that she has there, that she's always had, you know, inbred in her, of being able to see inside somebody and also make sure that they are accountable to that. And I think that is something that is really, really important, is don't get caught up in a person's title 
You know, I get people yeah. saying to me, oh, I've got a, a, an NBA, a BBA, and I say, well, it is his initials. It's, it shows me that you can learn knowledge. But what can you do with that knowledge? That's really where yeah. I'm going to be impressed. Um, there are some people that purely get out there and are learned people. For the sake of learning, can they translate what they learned into something that can be applied? And you've got other people, exactly. you've got other people that just truly are, have that divine intellect. It's a knowingness that they have, and then when they get up there, they just channel it, and it's that information that's needed at that time. So I think we, you know, this. Especially with women. Well, that's true intelligence. Yeah, uh, right? yeah, that's exactly. That's not IQ. No, that's not IQ. And but you know, I get all the time. You know, people about you know, oh, you've got to have a certification. You know, you've got to have a validation. You've got yeah. to have that. And it's like those are all wonderful for tools that you've learned. But let's go back. Who wrote that? Who was the first person to put that together? Where did that person get that information from? Before and they gave really you something to validate. That, yeah. Yeah. And women really do that. That's another brilliant hiding strategy of women is that, oh, I need another degree or yeah. I need a training or I don't have enough experience yet. Or the, And men don't do that. No. <laughs> women do that. Women hold themselves back by, no, I don't have the training or the credentials. And, and there's studies now that prove that. I, I saw a study from HP where they want to know why more women weren't going for senior management roles and applying for jobs. And what they found is that when they would put a job posting out, if a man had 60% of the qualifications listed, he went for it. If a woman would tell herself she had to check 100% of the boxes of the qualifications desired before she would apply for the job. Right? And so we got, again, it goes back to that grade school stuff, right? So yes. The more, the more education, the more training, then I'm qualified, then I can do it, then I can put myself in the arena. But that's got to stop because that's not where... Like I just told you, working with all those engineers. Yes. I'm I, I now dealing with people that had MBAs from Stanford and Harvard and MIT. Like that's, that's not even in my realm of IQ, right? I, I couldn't accomplish that degree if I, if I really, it's just not my aptitude. But that doesn't mean that I didn't provide value and bring huge intelligence to that group. You are the translator. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know is, is, keeping yeah, it real. And, so. and corporate, yeah, and corporate can be so... You know, it can be like a caste system with, yeah. with the title and the education. And, and that's, un- that's what's got to change. Yes. I mean, you know, um, I know my knowledge, you know, it's just divine channeling. That's the way it comes from. So, I, you know, you know, my, my certification is, is you know, um, God, take it up with him if you want a piece of paper, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. And, 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 you know, it's, I think we have to get off this, this thing of I'm only um, – considered valuable if I have this certification or this degree or if I have that. The other thing is we've got to stop looking at the value of people by the dollar. Um, Just because they earn a lot doesn't mean they contribute a lot. You know, we know for a fact that there are many people, Mother Teresa and many others, um, Mm -hmm. you know, no money whatsoever, but the value of who they who they are and how they inspire and what they have to contribute is beyond measure. and, you know, just because somebody drives a fast car or is, you know, has the big house or this or that doesn't put them above you. It just means that they've had more success than you in certain aspects. Exactly. 
certainly doesn't make them happy. No, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, um, you talk about here, which is a big word that, uh, you know, I think the greatest gift you can ever give anybody when we're going back to relationships is your vulnerability. If you can trust somebody with your vulnerability and know that they'll honor it and protect it, um, I think it's the greatest gift you can get. But I think our biggest fear is being even vulnerable with ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, because it's it's really it's taking off the egoic mask of mm-hmm. who we show up as in the world. You know, do we armor up and go out in the world and put on a front? And the more and more we do that, the more distant we become from knowing who we even truly are. So there's a disconnect. I mean, we're we're so busy. I mean, like that's what we have. My gosh, I think the population of sociopaths in our culture is just growing drastically <laughs> because people. You know, and I think it has a lot to do with, and I don't say that lightly as a joke. I mean, I, I constantly hear about, from, from women about they've ended up in a relationship with a male sociopath or a girlfriend that thought that somebody was really their girlfriend and she ended up being a sociopath because they just put out such a front mm. to cover up their woundedness of who they were pretending to be. But when it really came down to it, that's not who they were at all. You know, you can only maintain that mask for so long. But I think it, and then it's just, you're creating more of a divide and more of a disconnect from even getting in touch with who that truly is inside of you, who your, your, your true essence, your true presence, not, not what you do in the world and how you show up in the world, but how you, how you be. <laughs> yes. Right? Well, you know, you've, you've got it here, like self-esteem and self-compassion are not the same thing. So self-esteem has been a buzzword in our society for the last few decades, especially in regards to raising children. Unfortunately, we are at the beginning to create a world of approving addicts and narcissists who believe they are okay if, uh, if others approve of them and perceive them to be successful. Um, and they've achieved all the degrees and yeah. positions and yeah. the money. Because we, we have made self-esteem external, that we, we, mm. we grow our self-esteem by external validation and achievement, as opposed to self-esteem comes from within, because I'm good with me. I'm yeah. okay with me. I love me. I'm happy with me. I feel great about me. I'm doing the right things. And so we've, we've put so much emphasis over the last couple of generations about building self-esteem, building self-esteem, but it's always based on external factors. So it's an endless, it's an endless bottomless pit of being on a quest for the next thing that's going to make me feel okay about myself as opposed to learning to come from within. Yeah, I mean, you know, quite honestly, you're you're with you for the rest of your life, you know, from the moment you were born to the moment you die, you may as well, you know, love yourself. I'm like, you are the one constant in your life from birth to death that you absolutely can count on will be there. There is no escape. (laughs) (laughs) You can't run away from you, however much you try. And, uh, Uh, you know, no matter where you go, there you are. Yes, exactly. Prince Charming tomorrow and he could get hit by a bus the next day. Right? I, there's no, no. The only guarantee is you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, you may as well like the person you see in the mirror. And, uh, you know, the same with, with getting old and, you know, um, everything going south and the wrinkles. And, you know, love them because they're part of your journey. They speak to the journey yeah. that you've had. So love all aspects and all, all of it. And, you know, another thing you have here is we are all in the same boat. I don't care how rich or famous you are, or how many degrees or how popular you are. We're all born and we all have to live. We all die. We all need to eat, sleep, poop, you name it. Um, you know, we're, we're made up of the same. And I think 
that respect of of understanding that um, you know yeah. what what I we achieve and do in life is what we ad- we you know admire in people, but we've all got the same needs and everything. Yes, and I think that we forget that you know when we're we're struggling with something or suffering in some way or hurting that somehow it's unique to us and and everybody has the same experiences have you know feel pain or hurt or you know it's it's not unique to us so when we we come from a place of common humanity that, that is self-compassion and understanding i'm not alone in this it's not just me i'm not the only person feeling this or you know experiencing this i think that we often have to remember that everybody can feel at times i'm not good enough or i'm not enough or feel insecure i I remember one time Oprah saying that no matter who she interviewed on her show, it didn't matter how big a star they were or how accomplished they were, every single person asked her after the show was over, how did I do? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no matter how great you are, you want, some, you want validation that you did a good job or that it, it went well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it, we have to remember. And you know, we always want to know that we can put our best foot forward, and we're received well. And you know, that's and you know that this. You know, I love the four agreements. Um, by yeah, Don Rose, you know, um, uh, speak your word with integrity. Uh, never assume. Just ask. Um, yeah. um, uh, oh gosh, I've gone blank. Um, it's always be impeccable with your word. Thank, yeah, be impeccable with your word. Don't take, yes, don't don't make assumptions. Don't make yourself, don't take yourself personally, uh, or don't yeah, take don't it personally. personally. You're right, because you know other people's, um, you know, words is coming from where they are. You know, don't take it personally, and also yeah, just simply do your best based on you, your honesty with yourself, and doing your best. And you know, I think that's those are very four key ingredients that are really good codes to life. They are. They are. Now you write about mind for mindfulness. You know, I've got a little um, uh, motto: positive thinking equals positive living, and it goes back to that "what if" thing. Um, and it's very easy for negative thoughts to come in there. But I'd like people to be mindful that it takes eight positives to undo one negative. And if you know that, and you have to actually insert eight positives, or you know, uh, positives and gratitudes, to overcome that one negative you've just had, you're training your mind to look and live in that positivity but mindfulness on our dialogue is in, is essential isn't it absolutely and I do a lot of work around um, so I, I do sales presentation trainings as well and one of the in building presentations the first thing I teach them is that you don't do anything you don't begin your content until you create an outcome statement of what the do- desired result is that you want from that presentation what action do you want your audience to take? And, and that you have to state it in the past tense as if it's already occurred. Mm. You have to state it in the positive and in the past tense, and it has to be simple. And, and that's how often do people go off and just even create a presentation of any type, and they, they haven't considered what's the outcome or the action I want the audience to take. What's my outcome? Start with the outcome in mind. So you always start with the positive end in mind before you begin. It's painting your canvas, isn't it? How does the universe know it what is, to give you if, if they haven't got a picture? So paint your canvas of your desires. Exactly. And who cares if your glass is half full or half empty as long as you have a picture next to it? Exactly. And if it's never <laughs> half empty because there's air in there. 
exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know you talk about being present. You know, this is something um, that really always comes to home whenever I talk to my sister. She is such a person that lives for tomorrow that she's completely forgot to participate in today. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. people always building that nest egg or was taking care of tomorrow. And they don't realize it is the gift of the present that we need to be in. And isn't it funny? I've always, you know, I don't know that most people really recognize this, but you think the present, it is the gift. Mm-hmm. You know, present, mm-hmm. right? I just, it's such an interesting play on words, right? The present yeah. is the gift. Yes, exactly. This is your moment, that's you're job. now. That, that's, in a nutshell, that's consciousness, right? That's our job is to learn to be fully present and engage yeah. moment by moment. And that's our work is to not go unconscious. <coughs> Excuse me. I always say if you want a good memory tomorrow, make it today. Yeah. Yeah, because the minute your thoughts are in the past or in the future, you, you're not in the present. You're right. And you create anxiety for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and, we, and, you know, that's another factor, isn't it, is that especially as women, we're, you know, we're always taking on more and we're always getting too stressed over something. We've really got to lighten up and simplify, um, you know, and to stop taking ourselves so seriously and certainly, you know, stop getting overstressed about things that just truly, you know, you could just handle, you know you can handle them. So stop getting stressed up about it. Well, we women put too hard of expectations on mm. ourselves. One thing I always like to point out is, you know, women are really good at going to bed at night and going, oh, my God, I didn't get this done. I forgot to take care of that. I didn't do that. Instead, go to bed and go, oh, my God, look what I accomplished today. I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And then when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, say something loving and kind and complimentary to yourself. Don't say, look, look at my belly. I need to lose 20 pounds. Oh, my God, I got bags under my eyes. Oh, my God, time to cover the gray again. Whatever. Like, get up in the mirror and purposely say something affirming and loving to yourself. And And... Visualize how you want to see your day to go. Visualize how you don't stress about, oh my God, I'm in a hurry, I gotta go, go, go. Take 10 minutes and, and visualize your day flowing and how you want to see your day unravel because you set the tone for your day. And, and if you don't take that time to get present and calm and quiet and visualize what you want to create, then you are subject to whatever comes at you. I mean, you talk about, you know, yoga becoming embodied with your breath and mindful meditation. And, you know, um, you know, some people it is the yoga, some people it is literally, you know, cross-legged and doing the meditation. And for some people it's getting out there and walking in nature or getting outside and taking those deep mindful breaths. It really doesn't matter what it is, but get something that kind of centers you, that unites mm-hmm. your soul, your heart, your spirit and your mind as one um, so that you can get out there and greet your day. Yes. It's nature, yoga, breath work, meditation, any, anything, you know, anything that gets you fully embodied. And, and I love the people that haven't been really involved in, in learning body wisdom and getting embodied and becoming fully present. It's, it's sort of, I, I like this as a reminder because everyone has experienced this, where you're working on something or you're creating something or you're, and, and you're having trouble solving it. You can't find the solution, and you're struggling to get it right or come up with the answer, and you're just racking your brain, right? We all have experienced just racking, racking our brain, trying to figure it out, and we just get more and more frustrated. And then finally we give up at some point, and we get involved in something else, and we go get embodied, and we go for a walk, we go for a run, we, we do something, and then poof, the answer just appears. Yes. We all experience that. The minute you get out of your head, you get fully present and in your body, it, 
the, the answers can flow to us. It's, it's the higher intelligence, right? Our, and, and we're meant to operate as a whole being, not from our left brain, right? Our bodies aren't here just to carry around our head. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. I like that. Um, it's also sometimes, have you noticed that uh, when you are in your present, you will actually get the answer before you even know what the question is? Exactly. So, you know, it's just yeah. like, you know, oh, okay, all right. Well, that was, uh, you know, something that was in the back of my mind and I was in the forefront. Um, another thing you write here, which I love, is uh, living life outward. Yeah, I think because when you get really, Sarah, when you do get really aligned, it's now your job is to really bring it. Yeah. To bring it forth and to share it and... Because anything that, when we're in touch with our callings, and our callings doesn't mean it has to be our career, mm-hmm. or it has to mean that we make some big change. It's just anything that allows us to feel fully alive and we're passionate about, when we, when we, the more attention we bring to that, we automatically give love and healing to the world in some way. And everybody, that's everybody's job, and it doesn't have to, I think this is women often mistaken, that it has to be some big, grandiose thing you know I never found my purpose or my calling it doesn't mean that you're going to go be Mother Teresa yes it doesn't mean that you're going to go and take a career that's very specific to you know it 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 just means of how you show up and that you live outward and that you share your gifts and that you use your authentic voice because I believe every human being on the planet as unique as our fingerprints are we have something unique to share that somehow contributes to the healing and the transformation of the world and our species. Now, thank you for saying that because, you know, people say to me, I'm only one person, I can't change anything. And, you know, I look at it this way, you're only one person and the changes you can make that help the planet is the change you make within yourself. When you are how you true, show up in the world. Yes. You know, like how, how you show up in the world is huge. And I, I, I start a lot of presentations with having women. I go, I want each of you to, to stand up and introduce yourself to somebody next to you. And I do not want you to share your title and what you do for a living. I want you to say your name and a one-word description of who you are. And we're going to talk about the, the impact of your personal brand because your personal how you show up, how you leave somebody else when you interact with them, and how present you are to that person when you're speaking to them. How did you leave that person better after you spoke to them than they were before? That's what we all have to be more conscious of is our personal brand, our personal impact that we have on others. Because we've all been in the room with somebody that maybe we met at a, a party or our work function and we had a conversation with somebody and that person allowed you to feel like you were the only person in the room because they were completely present and open to hearing you. I and mean, that's, that's a beautiful gift. Yes. And we all can offer that. Exactly, we can. And it's like, you know, stop speaking to what you think you, people want from you and start speaking from who you really are. And you'll be surprised yeah. at how many people will want you. Um, you know, and also resonate in your tone. Believe what you're saying. Speak from that heart and soul. Um, you know, I've interviewed people, you know, with in numerous degrees, people doing extraordinary things in this in this world to save the planet and, and uh, you know, going mm-hmm. up against government and, you know, uh, uh, right down to the people who have, you know, just simply overcome their own terrors in the world um, and now are living their life as, as a diva, living that authentic self. And it really doesn't matter, you know, what they're doing. The whole point is, is they're being authentic to their calling, to who they are. And when you, when they speak, 
and what they're doing, you believe them because you feel what they're saying. You resonate with what they're saying. They're speaking to your heart. They're speaking to your soul. They're inviting your spirit into action to be a participant in it because they're inspiring you um, to take action within your own life and the changes that you need to make. This is what's so extraordinary is that we're doing that even with the show we're doing today. Never ever think that those big corporations and the government are completely in control. They have some power, but they only have the power that we give them. And the more and more we empower ourselves and each other, the more and more we take that power away from them. Yes. And and companies that get this, I mean, they're going to just be exposed to unbelievable... Unbelievable possibilities for, for yeah. their organization as a company, for their employees, for the world. Because, a, and, and that's what I love about millennials, because millennials get this. Uh-huh. And when you look at some of the really amazing millennial companies that have popped up, like Zappos.com and, and Google and other organizations, they, they are millennial organizations, and millennials are all about making impact and giving back to the community. And what difference is it making and how is it serving? Because a millennial will work for less money if they know they're making a positive impact in the world. Well, look at Elon Musk. I mean, look what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's kind of like a, a new Tesla of today. You know, it's, this is the thing is mm-hmm. we, you know, we do have the answers. We do have the solutions. We can live in respect and admiration and in peace. It is all achievable, but we've got to choose to be a part of the equation. Yes, yes. And I, you know, I don't know why, and I, I, I feel moved to mention this to you because I have a feeling you might have a little insight to it, but I have been really, um, I don't want to say obsessed, that's too strong, but I've been watching so many documentaries about World War II lately from, from every aspect and, and from the lives of different people. And it, it, it's just so flabbergasting, you know, somebody that has not ever lived in a true wartime like the Americans did in the 1940s. But it's so flabbergasting to me how that just the magnitude of what happened and the genocide and um, just the complete lack of humanitarian that happened throughout Germany and the countries and how how people got so roped into that and nobody was able to look outside and really they so many people that just went along with it and if it if more people had been present and started putting their foot down it wouldn't it's just it, it just amazes me how that snowballed as it did and how that took root and took power without you know that people had to have felt like this isn't right this isn't right they became sheeple Yes. And they were herded into hysteria. And then they got caught up in that hysteria in fear because the entire empowerment that these people had was crippling people with fear. The, oh, what if I don't obey? What if I stood up and stood against them? You know, that person just did and they got annihilated. But what if you stood up in a unity? They could only conduct you to where they want you to go if you agree. And what if you all stood up in unity and said, we're not going? We have that empowerment. Yeah. We've just got to realize within it and then within our communities. We are seeing so many changes today. Look at GMOs and Monsanto. 
um, the amount of companies that are realizing, like Walmart, believe it or not, who are bringing in the I organics know. and I bringing know. in the changes. And people say, oh, but Walmart. Yeah, but Walmart is smart. They recognize there are people out there that don't want the GMO foods and want the alternative. And they know if they want to stay in business, they've got to provide it. And that's the whole point. It's the same with all those other industries out there. You stop supporting <laughs> what they're giving you. And they will have to change because it's all economics. Yeah. And if you ain't buying it, where do they get their power from? So yep, it's, it's, the same, it's the same in, in, in anything in a company that you work in. If you've got people handing you a whole load of you-know-what, stop buying it, then you're, you're disempowering them. Yes, yes. But waking people up to how important that is, is, is that's Part that's of your journey. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're here for, right? <laughs> that's about. That's all, all about waking up, beauty. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, the beauty within us, and uh, and understanding we are our own prince, our own princess. We are everything to ourselves, and the people that we have around us are an extension of that beauty within us. Yes, absolutely. Well, my dear, it's got to that time, unfortunately, because I could talk to you forever. Um, but we need to know how people can get the book, um, how they can book you for speaking events and for your training, and uh, just simply how they can get hold of you. Sure. So lisamariejenkins.com is my website, just my full name. My book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any indie bookseller. You can, you can get it, and you can also get a personalized signed copy if you want to order one directly from me, from my website. So uh, com, and you're interested in having me speak at, at your company or organization, um, just contact me through my website. It's Lisa at com. And they can also find your Huffing, Huffington Post's uh, uh, yes. blogs there too? And, uh, Correct. I blog for the Huffington Post, so you can just um, you can find me there as well. Wonderful. Well, Thank you for reshaping the world. Um, you know, thank you for stepping out there and guiding women into their own empowerment and showing them that, yes, they can. Um, you know, the more and more we, we do this, you know, each talk, as you said, you get out there, whether you just switch on one, two or a dozen, it, there's the domino effect. The more we empower people, yeah. the more they resonate to others, the more they inspire others to be empowered in their own lives. And this is all we can do is shine the light so others can see exactly. their own journey. So thank you for being that beacon of light. No, thank you for having me on. And it was grateful, truly. Well, folks, you know, um, we're out there doing it. Uh, Lisa Marie is out there doing it, showing you how you can be success in your own life from the inside out. The empowerment in business and the empowerment in your own life, the empowerment in you and the beauty of who you are and the gift you are to this world. So drop her a line. Uh, Look her up, lisamariejenkins.com, and just start your journey there because uh, you ain't going to get anywhere until you take those first steps. Uh, next week, um, the station is going to be called Self-Discovery Radio. We have changed our name from PLV Radio. We're still bringing you the same great uh, people and content. We've just decided to change our look and our approach a little bit. So if you come to PLV Radio and you discover it's Self-Discovery Radio, we are the same. We've just decided to be a little more inspirational. So until next time, folks, be kind to yourself. <laughs>